Hello and welcome. This time, Dave Thomas, that's me, and John Deere, that's him, wrestle with an unexpected attack of highbrow and a fully expected lack of plot in Michelangelo Antonioni's 1966 proper film, Blow Up, aka Blow Up. Please join us. Sometimes, reality is the strangest fantasy of all. The films of Michelangelo Antonioni speak every language. This is his first in English. What's your name? What do they call you in bed? This time, in the course of our conversation, we discuss homophobic language and sexual assault. So, blow up. Well, it's not a jallo, is it? So why are we talking about it? Some have even called it an anti-jallo. So we do it's opposite day. Um, it's equal. Is it equal and opposite? Is it? Is uh, it? Is it, New, is it Newton's <laughs> Jello? <laughs> the, the Newtonian reaction to the Jello, maybe. Yeah. Um, so when so in our previous episode, we were talking about. Uh, you asked me about the theme of this season, and I said it's more kind of about influences, and that's you know not that that's something I just made up on the spot because I hadn't really thought about it, um, but. I was conscious that... It's a critic's prerogative. Exactly. So I was conscious in our first season, in inverted commas, that we, it was a film that we talked about a, sort of obliquely a lot mm-hmm. because a lot of the things that we were actually discussing and had watched uh, either referenced it or, you know, with sort of the early early days of the Jallo or what sort of proto Jallo are definitely very influenced by it, and certainly later Jally uh, are influ- like Argento. You know, it, it's kind of throughout. Yeah, you know, Argento stuff, to, even to the point of you know casting David Hemmings. Yeah. Uh, in in Deep Red, so I thought it's kind of interesting to take a look at it, and I had only seen it once because you know I'm a terrible film pleb and art house italian you know, neorealist directors are not really my normal cachet so um i thought dipping a toe into the water of like a, an actual f- capital f film um would be quite interesting um but actually seeing you know where does it kind of dovetail into the jelly and jelly adjacent things uh and yeah that was that was my reasoning i guess is it um, beyond the obvious casting of of, of this, the leading actor in arguably uh, the most famous the most famous Jallo? Uh, is it a recognised influence by makers of Jallo? Uh, I I believe so. I mean, certainly, you know, Argento is probably the the, the key guy who still. Well, that's not. That's probably not strictly true. I mean, De- Deadly Sweet, which is a, uh, something that we also kind of touched on last time, uh, that came out very soon after this, is like, what if what if Blow Up had a plot, basically? Um, 
and you know that's a very kind of that that kind of feeds from both this and probably girl who knew too much uh and and you know so that's that's a very kind of direct kind of pick and then that gets some might say ripped off homaged um mercilessly in some of the early six the kind of later 60s stuff so sweet body of deborah you know nick's whole the whole kind of nightclub pop art thing is very much nicked yeah. from deadly sweet which is very much mm-hmm. lifting from from blow up and then argento you know not only obviously is he clearly like sort of the the well the actor of course um and some of the kind of visual language but you know he the, the thematically you know he he's he in his jelly certainly his early ones you know there's an artist who sees something did they really see what they thought they saw uh, you know that kind of narrative that yeah. sort of drives through uh, this sort of artist outsider who's not quite you know sure what he's seen and the the very fact of that he's had this experience has kind of awakened something and shaken him from his you know existential ennui um there was a reviewer that suggested that the jally after kind of Argento is basically the combination of, you know, Barber's gothic, gory excess, and and uh, and I f- forgive me for using this this phrase, uh, Antonioni's pop art modernism and ennui. I've just used ennui twice in the space of a minute, so that's uh, okay. For years, I went ennui. <laughs> I never knew how to pronounce it. Should we do um, before we go too too far? Uh, should we do what? I mean, doing the plot won't take exactly long, um, but that doesn't really do justice to the film uh, because no, the, the, indeed. because because the plot really is isn't the thing. Mm. Um, but in and I remember it being a very long film. Then I saw it once, I think, when I was about nine, eighteen, nineteen, far too young to probably see it, and found it indescribably boring. Mm. Um, As did was, David Hemmings, apparently, the first time he saw it. Yeah, I can I can see why it doesn't it it doesn't rush in any way to get to, to get to get to the heart of the matter indeed there isn't really a heart of the matter just chaos beyond what you understand we'll, we'll talk about that um david hemmings is a what appears to be a successful fashion photographer in um in 60s london i believe this film mm-hmm. came out in 67 is that right we might as well uh, assume it's contemporaneous yes i believe so 66 or 67, 67. yeah and uh, it, I mean, it takes about an hour for this to happen. But um, while out taking pictures for inspiration, for interest, um, he photographs uh, a courting couple in the park. Um, but they they're not sure. Are they struggling? There's some there's something possibly possibly uh, amiss with the situation. And when the woman notices that he's that he's taken the pictures, she remonstrates with him and wants the and wants the camera back. And she tries to take it from him, but doesn't. Um, and when she goes, um, David Hemmings's character uh, notices the man isn't there. Uh, anyway, and gets on the film. And later, the lady um, turns up at his home, demanding the film. Uh, for reasons um, that she she never that she she never makes clear. This clearly something she wants to keep secret. Uh, he gives her he switches film and gives her the the wrong film, and then develops uh, the film and notices something that he can't quite put his finger on. But there's there's something amiss, and it appears in one of the pictures. Uh, the girl who's played by Vanessa Redgrave, by the way, um, 
Do you ever find out her name? Um, does anyone, not many people I, have I names. I believe she's called Jane, but... Is she yeah, right? You, I'm, she, I'm I, think she ever named in, in I'm not, the story? I'm not sure that she is, because most of the models are either called just the names of models or, you know, or the blonde, blonde and brunette. And the brunette yeah. and Jane Birkin you know, is called, yeah, it's called the blonde. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, she's looking uh, with concern uh, away to the side. And so um, David Hemming's character blows up that part of the picture, which is foliage. And we notice what appears to be a man with a gun. And then uh, he blows up a later picture and it appears that there's the man, the, the, the male lover from previous was there, but um, that's his body lying on the ground. And indeed, if you look at the scene, they hold on the shot earlier when he leaves and v- right in the distance is the body of the man. Mm. Again, as in... You see what you're say, same with with sort of the twist in blow up or the um, the attempted murder sequence, which is central to to Burr with the crystal plumage. Um, the clue is there that he's that is already there. And so thus, what he's he's uncovered, he's witnessed a murder, and he mm-hmm. wants to he wants to uncover, he wants to understand why, and he wants to find out who um, who Vanessa Redgrave's character character is. Spoilers: he doesn't, um, because. <laughs> That's it, as far as plot goes. He tries to piece things together, but no one else is, can seem, seems remotely interested or concerned. And mm. it's... it's in, in, You have to take this film on its own terms. This mm. isn't a film about a murder. This is a film about a photographer um, who wants meaning in a rather vacuous existence, mm. uh, stumbles across something... But even this thing, which would be would be the central plot of a film, and him and him becoming an amateur detective, is you know how how lots of jalos go. Hmm. And the outsider comes in and, and pieces together the murder. Here, the outsider is the centre of this world. He's in his world. He's not an outsider. He stumbles across rather like chaos theory. He stumbles across some uh, something much bigger happening elsewhere that he sees a central but nevertheless limited portion of tries to solve it, gets nowhere, because no one else is interested. And no one else is the focus of this film. He's in every no. scene. He the, the, the follows around. He goes in and out of lives. He goes in and out of scenes to talk to characters for no reason who aren't interested. And he fancies his neighbour. He goes around to talk to them, and they're having sex, and he just sort of waits there a bit and then walks off. And then... Um, the woman comes to see him and talks to him a bit and wants his help, but he doesn't really go in. The scene doesn't really go anywhere or add anything. He mm. goes to see um, his friend, uh, played by uh, the very recently um, uh, deceased Peter Bowles, uh, to talk about his, his 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 book he wants to do. And you know, Antonini's clearly far more interested in uh, the location and the environment that he is in than he is in the characters. And he's taken from you know from the beautiful vistas of you know, large large scale um, country shots of parks or indeed you know architecture, mm. often dwarfing often dwarfing characters. But it shows equally sort of the sort of glamour and the slum of sixties London. And you know for a, for a photography project, we open with, um, with with David Hemming's character staying in a doss house, just so basically he can take pictures. In, yeah. a slightly, in a slightly patronising way. And yet, I mean, there's, he's not necessarily a good person, uh, the, the photographer. 
um, you know, he's manipulative. He's you know, he's he's a bit rapey with with some of the models. Well, um, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it isn't really the focus. Uh, he's like got business interests. When he like, there's a whole extended sequence of him twice going to extended sequences of him twice going to um, an antique shop for no real reason other than you find out he's acting as an agent for a friend to try and buy it uh, mm. for something. And there's sort of there's not I mean you can't even classify it as a subplot, but there's you know touches on gentrification in sixties London. Uh, you know and he. Mm. forgive the uh, trigger warning on the homophobic language but you know you, you see you see in his words two puffs and a poodle to show that you know the area is becoming gentrified and more middle class and mm. thus something that we, would be a good investment for his family. this is 67 mm. but these are touchings on bigger pieces bigger worlds that the film never explores further you're just you're just, you're just flitting between these aspects of his not cha- not necessarily chaotic but but quite busy life and without any sense of who anyone is. And it's easy to try and show that people are sort of vacuous. I think it's more that Antonini is just far more interested with the situation and the locations than he is than he is the characters. And there's no ever in, interest in solving the murder. That's just something that he's done. And as he tries to piece something together, he sees, you know, I've, I've pieced this bit. I've, you know, I've seen it. I've seen a... I've seen a face. I've seen a gun. Oh my god! You no, know, but it doesn't go anywhere. And then he mm. goes back to try and find the body, and the body's gone. You know. Well, he he initially finds it uh, at night in the park. Which oh, is, sorry. Yes, he does, and then go, and then goes back the next day. That's right. Yes. Uh, and at, at that point, it's, yeah, the body has disappeared. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, 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 the 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 point, as much as there is one, it seems to be that you know this, this act of this, this sort of violent act that he's uncovered, kind of shocks him out of his his ticking along miserablest existence where he's just horrible to models when he's not trying to you know rape them um and generally just being sort of fairly unpleasant to to everybody but as as you say you know he he's ultimately unsuccessful you know the, it, in a in a jello there would be like a ridiculous third act twist um yeah. that everyone was in on it or something like that uh now of course we're not in that we're not in that rarefied air so he he you know there's one point where he thinks he sees Vanessa Redgrave's character outside a club mm. um she kind of disappears it's, it's quite an interesting shot I've, I can't quite work out you know I don't think anyone sort of successfully worked out how they did that um, but she just seems to kind of disappear into the background he goes into the club um, where the yard birds are playing yeah. uh, uh young jimmy page and uh, jeff yeah. beck mm-hmm. and um yeah so the, the the only thing that seems to uh you know rouse the crowd out of their utter boredom at watching you know one of the seminal british blues explosion bands of the 1960s is when jeff beck gets annoyed and smashes his guitar um, in a moment that really takes me out of the movie because the amp that he's smashing is not the one that's acting up no actually <laughs> interesting that's that's that, that's that, that's the it's, it's one of those one of those really pathetic nerdy things it's like just, they're fiddling with one of his voxes and the one that he's hitting is not that one no yeah he does he gets the one above it and to the to the left which is already yeah, broken but, because so i assume that's why yeah but yeah and and you know that's not the guitar that jeff bet used to play either because clearly he wasn't going to smash one of his own guitars um <laughs> no and it's but the um when he's again it's and it's there there are various sequences throughout um particularly uh, when he's piecing together the drum. There's like a you know, good 10-minute sequence of him, of him developing film, looking at film, the audience looking at the film. And there's no dialogue. 
No. Um, and she tries to sort of piece this together. And that would be normally something that we put together, you know, even in a montage sequence or, you know, in a conversation between people as, as the plot develops. There's, you know, there's we, we pause for breath uh, between, you know, there's the, the 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 two would want to be models come back after being you know got rid of earlier to just like go away, and they come back and then you know for various reasons he you know basically sexually assaults them. He sexually assaults them, yes. But then then they sort of between laughing and crying as they sort of wrestle playfully or wrestle on the floor, and it's again it adds absolutely nothing to the plot. I just mm. it's just a, it's quite problematic when when seen now. But yeah, it's 1967, and you no know, one batted an eyelid at the yeah. at the time. Well, and, it was and, it was problematic then because it was a okay. very very early you know sort of oh my god you see pubic hair on screen in the 60s, um, ah, and now right. and now of course it's problematic because he does essentially sexually assault sexually assault <laughs> yeah sexually assault Jim Burke in it. Um, and the Yardbird sequence is, I mean, at least with the Yardbird sequence, although, it, although it's another, you know, it's a piece of sort of living art rather than, you know, a, a plot device because it's just, mm. yeah, well, it would be called padding, but to call it padding is to sort of miss the point of the, the whole film is padding. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's entirely stylized with lo- the audience pretty much f- like told to, to, you know, to, to freeze in tableau mm. um, as lo- with, with the exception of, you know, a, a dancing couple at the, at the, at the back. But sort of, mo- and you sort of move around, ostensibly looking for uh, f- uh, for the um, what did you say? Her name was Jane. Um, yes. But you know, he never finds her, and she plays yeah. no further part. She has a fair. Red- Vanessa Redgrave has a fairly small part. She's only really in two scenes. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the the thing I took from the scene with the models because he's, as, as you said, you know, the the his revelation of what happened in the park or what he thinks happened in the park Mm. is kind of split into two so there's the initial uh scene where he blows up the film and and sees what he what appears to be a gun and actually he's fairly clearly someone with a gun Mm. uh, or at least the barrel of a gun um and then it's as he's kind of wrestling with these two naked models on the floor that he kind of sees the photo from sort of a slightly different angle and thinks oh mm. you know there's something else there so what i what i kind of took from that was that you know hmm. i could be having sex with models but the only thing that's giving me any kind of of emotional reaction yeah. is this is this murder or well, this this mystery that yeah. i'm trying to unpick uh, and when he doesn't unpick it, he just goes back to his slightly miserable. And, and actually, in the final shot, just disappears because he just kind of he's standing on it. Oh, it's also Freshers' Week, <laughs> apparently. Is, yeah, it's, the it's, entire it's, film. It's Rag Week, yeah. <laughs> rag Week, yes. Rag Week, yeah. Um, so, and so we we end with a, a, a entirely incongruous mime tennis match. Yes, that he sort of and joins I, in on and then j- looks sad and disappears. Yeah, he joins in while because they, they he has to throw their ball back and rather than go fuck off, there is no ball. He plays along and throws back an imaginary ball. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's there's no sense of, res- of, of 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 resolution. His one moment of trying to get out of his <laughs> vac, he's like unhappy but highly privileged. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> posi- position in life um, is gone. Uh, and and you you know I I, I don't, it's possibly because there's no other interaction with any other character you know it's you go I go through that thing of just thinking you know is this all in his head mm. is, he create, is he creating something and it's 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 just I, you said an anti jalo it's almost like an anti film in that he'll go and see a character uh, to try and advance the plot and the other character wasn't just isn't won't engage with it and there's no point 
Yeah. Uh, um, like particularly when he goes to see he goes to see Peter Bowles's character. Is it Ron? I think Ron. Peter yeah. Bowles's character. You know, at a party and he's stoned and it's just like. It, it, like Ron, can you like? And it's just at the end. Just come and get stoned with me. I'll, I'll just go get stoned with you. Um, and it can't. No, all those scenes exist in normal films to advance the plot and bring other characters and bring subplot and, and bring into engagement. And none of that happens. They yeah. don't engage with the plot. Uh, yeah. They barely engage with him in a way that you know is quite like life. If you find something and people talk to you about it, but they won't engage with it necessarily. Particularly, it's just. It's you going through. It's you going through these emotions, or you trying to make something happen, but with a structure that doesn't exist in a normal film. Mm. You go into scenes and out of scenes, and plot isn't advanced. And mm. it's 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 curious uh, because there isn't much of a plot. There's just his yeah. slight, his his jaded existence, and he tries to engage people in this what's in, in this thing that's happened in something that's interesting. Uh, and he wants to, you know, to fixate on it, to, to to give him to give him drive, as you say, to give him, you know, more meaning than just another threesome with models. But no one else will really engage with it in the same way because it hasn't happened to them. Mm. Is there is there something about? I mean, I don't know. This might be. This might not not have been something that Antonio was interested in, but it's my kind of take on it. But his kind of self obsession ultimately sort of undermines him because. You know, he he literally goes to the park and the body is still there. So if he'd, you know, immediately rushed off to find a policeman because it's the 60s, you know, policeman on every corner, all of that, um, then presumably, the you know, the, there would have been some sort of investigation. But he doesn't want to do that because he wants to use the photos in yeah. his book. So which is why he goes to see Ron. Uh and ultimately, he can't even do that because he comes back to his studio and it's been trashed and all the photos yeah, yeah. have been taken apart from one that's so completely oblique and is, you know, so kind of uh, blown up and, and effectively pixelated that it could be anything, even though, you know, we've established that that is that is the dead, the dead lover. Yeah. So like i think the his, his neighbors who's, who's an artist mm. does does abstracts uh, well, it just says oh it's like one of his paintings it's like, yes yeah, indeed it's, yeah um so so yeah he kind of he ultimately undermines himself uh which is you know it's kind of interesting i mean it, uh, something i was just uh, right before this uh, as i said to you before we started i my my preparation for this was slightly less in depth than normal because one I assume people know who the the actors are because um, they're you know famous people, and the director is is you know fated as as one of the masters of cinema. Um, and also, I don't really have any books on this stuff because all my books are on you know stabby films. But I was just watching a uh, old Antonioni documentary on YouTube, and he does kind of talk about his his mindset is that you know you in realistic com, you know conversations or realistic existence you have parts of your life are static and parts of them are dynamic and films concentrate on the dynamic yeah and if you ignore the static then the results are you know fake there's no realism and then the counter argument to that of course is if you put all the static in then it's just really fucking boring well i mean this is wasn't it um hitchcock that said films are lives with the boring bits taken out yes um, yes exactly. so 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 let's just add them back in but they're not but obviously it's it's churlish to say they're boring bits it's just he takes he takes the slow path mm. he, he's interested in exploring the world 
far the, the these character this character or generally this character inhabits mm. um far more than far more than the plot so you know you will take time to to explore the street you will mm. take time to to, to 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 go through the park when uh jane comes to comes to his flat he takes time to sit down with her and have a yeah have a whiskey have have, have a chat he mm. takes time to walk down a fucking corridor he takes time to then to walk down a fucking <laughs> corridor to then about 14 stages of developing a film you know it's not done in montage it's it's, yeah. it's not quite in real time but the detail is there and mm. he will you know the that you know in in a film where there is about 15 minutes worth of plot mm. and you're clocking it at it isn't actually that long it's it, it feels long but yeah. it's an hour and 51 minutes i've seen yes. you know, it's it's not that Anything under two hours is, is acceptable. And I remember thinking, oh, isn't this film about three hours long? No, it, just, it can just feel like that <laughs> if you don't engage with it yeah. uh, on its own terms. Yes. And if you just, yes, exactly. If you just sit back and just let it flow over you and just go at the pace that Anthony want, wants you to, where he wants to go through the modern, he wants to explore the modernist architecture of London, he wants to sort of throw in some incongruities with the, the Rag Week uh, students on the Land Rover. All, mm. all all dressed as mimes. He wants to follow a couple of nuns down the street, uh, and then the ragweek people run to them, and you think, "Oh, what's going to happen here?" Well, nothing. They just pass. Uh, there's lots of, <laughs> there's lots of subverting expectations where nothing actually happens. You know, and it's, you yeah. know, and yeah, we all first meet, and we first meet David Hemmings coming out of the Doss House, uh, and then and then you know, saying goodbye to people, running off and getting in his roles. Mm. Um, you know, this is someone playing at life. Yep. Someone, do, someone, you know, doing the. Yeah, he sort of buys a propeller from the antique shop for no particular reason. reason. Although I, that takes, you know, that takes a few, a few scenes. Yes, I do quite like the uh, the, the the umbrella, silly. Uh, sorry, the uh, the umbrella, the propeller uh, subplot, uh, such as it is, just because <laughs> he gets annoyed when one of the one of the workmen drops it, uh, <laughs> and he's like, "You just bought it for no reason." Yeah, and you're you're annoyed that you know anyway. And, and there's, yeah, there's the sort of weird sequence where he first goes to the antique shop and it's, there's some old guy who's minding it for the owner who's a young woman. Yeah. And, and he's like really rude to him and won't sell him anything. Uh, and then yes, he yes, goes out and comes back and the young woman's there and she's like, yeah, yeah. you can have whatever you want. You know? Do you know what that's, do you know what the scene reminded me of when he first arrives and the old man was just basically like, you can't buy anything, they're all sold. Mm. It's the bit in Pretty Woman where Julia Roberts goes into the shop and is treated like the well, they just they see her for being you know she's a sex worker, so they basically won't serve her because she's mm. too she isn't the right class. Yeah, um, and I've no doubt that when Pretty Woman was made, that scene was foremost in. I don't know who directed Pretty Woman. No, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that's that's the fir- that's the first thing that reminded me. Because that's the thing that I mean, this is clearly a, a film beloved of of other filmmakers and yeah. cineasts and all of that. And but the sequence that they all nick is the developing, like the the unveiling of the mystery through the photos. But inevitably, everybody else uses that to hang a you know a plot point on. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I mean, De Palma very specifically emerges it in Blowout, and instead, of, and and then it's a series of photographs showing, you know, showing a, you know, and and sound, you know, putting a gunshot to the point where a car goes off a bridge because someone's been shot, um, and you know, De Palma for all, and we will get to this at a later point in the season, but De Palma for all his uh, objections, he, he's making bloody Jello, so. Mm. 
whether he says he is or not um and you know even like the girl with the dragon tattoo which is what sort of 2000 so the you know steel glass and even in the book the book is basically someone looking through a series of photographs and realizing that someone is looking out of frame at an assailant and in the film adaptations you know the Niels Arden Oplev kind of original it's I mean that sequence is electrifying it's done so well but it is essentially the same sequence speed it up a bit because why wouldn't you um and and to the point where you know when, when you say speed it up a bit you mean you mean like edited yes exactly not yeah. not with, not with cranking the camera with, <laughs> yes with, yes there is no yakety sacks yes <laughs> um yeah, but yeah to the point when you know david finch had remade it in english i mean he basically just lifted that sequence pretty much shot for shot um because you know it, it's really good but it is basically blow up yeah but you i mean there's but in terms of i think where else like italian directors would would use presumably with a you know a sense of style that's more of the more of the the italian sense of yeah, aesthetic than the, the other hmm. directors is sort of like the use of space and light so there's there's like a, oh, yeah. a long a long sequence where um uh, Hemmings is coming towards like the bit of his studio, which is covered in white paper, uh, which is basically makes the appearance of sort of a, a white box to which he to which he, he walks, and that's clearly where um, Argento is going with you know with the, the shop front in in well, with the crystal plumage, you know, the mm. white sort of the, the the white the white the white the white box of light, and that sort of shape and space is sort of I think where I th- it, it, you. Sort of, sort of enjoyed. Like he's, he's got a good eye. He, he, he mm. dwarfs his characters in the, in the scene. Um, and I suppose if, if, if you were so inclined, we basically I have to make a point. But I want to make a point that I know I'm sounding a, like a Ponzi film critic. What I, what I, what I do, <laughs> um, is that the situations and the environment are much bigger than those that, than, than those that inhabit them. And you're, you're, you know, there's always a bigger story, and you're, and, and you will never have that perspective. Mm. Uh, in which case, it's you know, it's a, it's in some ways quite a, quite a depressing film, but it, it's, mm. it's beautiful to look at. Mm. Um, I, but you can really see why it's, um, why it frustrates people. It takes yeah. an hour for the plot to kick in, and there's no reward. <laughs> there's, there's nothing. Yeah. There's no. There's no resolution. It literally yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. It's Interestingly, a, a, Antonio only thought it was a very hopeful film, but I'm not did, quite did sure did he? what he's seeing um yeah i hope someone finds that body i don't know um i just assumed the murderers had had gone back for it because i imagine (laughs) there's there's another film taking place where the hitman's gone like yeah i I, I did it and you don't know maybe he's working yeah in cahoots with others Mm. um and they've just got a gun right um what'd you do with the body well nothing i just shot him she was with like she was with him uh but then she ran off and um she was talking to this guy what fucking guy (laughs) <laughs> um, it's like, I know she's talk, she's talking to him as, as well, but I didn't really see what they were doing. Right, find out where this guy lives. All right, and yeah. then find out what's going with the girl. Like, what have you done with the body? I haven't touched the fucking body. Why haven't you touched the body? Like, go and get the body. <laughs> and it's and there's potentially quite a comic film. Yeah, they they, they 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 then burst into Hemmings's flat, but he's too busy 
he's too busy nicking nicking the fretboards from, from Jeff Beck's guitar, um, oh. which he then takes from all from all the fangirls and then just chucks away. And then just drops it. Just yeah, and, and a guy picks it up and then just throws yeah, it away again. Well, he doesn't know what it is. I no, exactly. Like, context, uh, um, so there's lots of little like, moments like that which are which, which are quite quite yeah, enjoyable, they do, but they, they don't, don't amount to anything. Yeah. Yeah, and it's brilliant, and yeah, it's absolutely less than the sum of its parts, and yeah. but it works on on those terms. Because that's um, interesting. You, you now that you brought that up, there's never any there's never any sense of like threat to him considering nope. he's apparently witnessed a murder yeah he's got photographic evidence of a murder and he's yep. seen the body involved in murder and he could also recognize one of the presumably the conspirators in yep. the crime there's never any sense that he's in any danger from whoever's killed killed the uh the boyfriend or the the what's the opposite of a mistress um yeah, you can't really say a master. No, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, 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 that's kind of that's quite fascinating. It just it the the only effect it has on his life is it it, it kind of makes him somewhat excited for a bit. I mean, his his flat is ransacked, but off camera. So yeah, he doesn't seem that bothered about that. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, he trashed it himself when he was he did, effectively yeah. ripping Jane Birkin's tights off. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Was she wearing any pants under her tights? No, she was not. Ugh. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Neither was Gillian Hills. It was very strange. It's a very yeah, odd okay, sequence. Right. Okay. If you have a hosiery fetish, that's probably a really great scene. But uh, yeah, it's very, it's yeah. really quite unpleasant. Otherwise, why don't you try? Why, why don't you try that on that dress on that you've just? Oh, okay. I'll start trying it on, and then I'll walk in midway through and take take the dress off you, and then start mm. going ha. Ah. And then even though you're clearly intimidated. It'll, it's yeah, that's that's not good. But hey, 1967. I, I think actually this is somewhere else where other Jallo directors, other than Argento, picked up on it, because there's a lot of Jally subsequently that are in the kind of late 60s, early 70s, where they set in are set in London, have shot in London, uh, and they use London very much as you know, sort of look, it's London, but n- not quite in a kind of travelogue way, but in the in, no. in the kind of backdrop, in the way, I mean, you know, um, all the colours of the dark very much does that. You know, they're not really doing, you know, look, here's Parliament, look, here's Tower Bridge. It's like, look, here's the South Bank when it was all grotty. You know, it, it mm. feels much more of a time and place in the way that this really does. And I think that's, yeah, as you say, that's the bit that Antonioni is interested in, is the time and the place and the I guess the kind of buzz of you know swinging London, but he doesn't really give a shit about you know <laughs> set, setting a film there. Well, I mean, and again, you, you sometimes you're looking for meaning that I don't think is really there. And when we move from mm. you know sort of the the as I said the sort of the the, the tableau that's broken in the in the Arbert's gig sequence to then the the party, which and I found that this is why I was frustrated where you, where you look for, where you look for meaning because when you first see him go to the party it looks really middle class it's a nice middle class home mm. he walks in there looks like quite posh people it looks like a cocktail party and mm. then as the camera pans across there's you realize there's just more hippies mm. uh, or you know, your beatniks or um, other other people that you will that you want to easily recognise in sixties counterculture, mm. uh, and then you know you go through to room and then there's people there's people just skinning up and drinking, mm. um, and it's like it's it's like all all human life is here, uh, all mm. human life being in London in in in, in the mid sixties, mm. um, but without any sort of real point to it. It's yeah, here's 
he's coming into this world is what you think it is. It looks quite respectable, but it isn't. Um, here's, you know, here, is, is, is it up and coming? Because, you know, a same-sex couple and their dog are moving into an area and, 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 and feel safe. Here's, here's, the, lungs of, here's the lungs of a city, uh, but here's someone getting shot mm. uh, in the middle of it. And there's all this light stuff with, you know, I think with it is trying to look for, again, you're trying, you're necessarily trying to look for meaning where, it's essentially the aesthetics are more important than than anything, but it's, it's something to say. I think about um, things look nice, uh, but with, with 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 you know, d- there's always dark undertones. There's always mm. you know, there's always something. There's always something there as well. But the fundamental message for it, I still think, is is there are there are bigger stories in life that you're just walking through, and there's no point trying to make sense of them. You can try and find meaning in a little bit, but the bigger picture will always always escape you. And that's mm. that's the only real message I I took from it. But I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to when I saw it when I was eighteen. Yeah, it, it, on a second viewing, and when you kind of know that you're, you're if you're looking for sort of a you know a resolution, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it 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 works a great deal better. It, it definitely rewards a, you know a, more, a second viewing. I don't know if it, was, it would reward a third viewing. I'm really not sure if I would go to, maybe. At some later date, I might watch uh, a commentary on it mm. with yeah, with, that would be interesting with, with some people who had some stuff to say, um, rather than you know Vanessa Redgrave going. I was only in these two scenes, and I was clearly quite quite uncomfortable with having to be topless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With spending the entire those entire sequences with my hands over my breasts. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how much there there is there is to that. There's probably a nice bit to be done about sort of um, uh, a then and now. Uh, following following the locations. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think there is actually a featurette on the Criterion Blu-ray that does oh, that. Oh, is there? Okay, maybe I should yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 got your favourite director, Piers Haggard, the inventor of folk horror, because he worked on the film apparently. Right. <laughs> Piers Haggard. I mean, whether you want to say worked on, as well. I mean, he's the, he's the director of Quatermass. Uh, the yeah. Houston, the Houston films. Very true. Well. Very yeah. true. Um. um I, I was going to say, I, I know you're not a fan of uh, of Blood on Satan's Claw. Not, so, not, uh, not particularly, no. no. <laughs> that also has problematic tits in it. Um, oh, it really does. It really does. <laughs> With Anthony Ainley staring at, staring at Angel Blokes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> now, apparently this was based on a, on a short story, Blow Up, not Blood on Satan's Claw. Yes, I saw that. I, I, I yeah. too saw that in the credits. Yeah, I had a quick read uh, and it, set, it was a short story set in Paris. Um, about a, um, he thinks he prevents a murder by uh, someone prevents a murder by in, intervening between a, a conversation between a boy a, a boy and a woman, mm-hmm. um, and so the but is he sure of what of what of what really happened? That's that's as far as I that's as far as I researched it. <laughs> the this afternoon, but I have the idea of it's inspired by the general premise because. I did think when I saw that it said like written based on the short story. Well, that's going to be a really short story, mm. um, and which makes uh, I, sp- I suppose I suppose that makes sense. But this doesn't lend itself to something that would be great literature. Can you mm. imagine the script book? <laughs> <laughs> David Hemming stares listlessly. Yeah, there'll just be like fourteen pages of stage directions, <laughs> and then walks back. And pours himself another glass of wine, tucks his shirt in, but it seems to have sixteen buttons undone. Uh, mm. any, any, anyway, 
David Hemmings looks a bit sad. The man drops the propeller. Tom, yeah. oi! See. But yeah, he's but yeah, he sort of smiles at, at, at people. He's, he, I think he quite likes the I think he quite likes the ragweek people because they just go around, you know, just fucking shit up. Yeah, driving around the economist's uh, courtyard and yes, generally being. Although clearly Anthony's done that because he quite likes the sort of modernist architecture. Mm. And it's like, oh, let's just spend, spend some, spend some. Very much there. so. Yeah, drive around um, it again. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll get out cheering. Oh, it's, I mean, they, they, it's, the, the ragweek people spend a lot more time on. I mean, we didn't do rag week when I was at university because I didn't go to a university that's posh. But I, no one who's oh, not, I neither that. did I. But we had one, but it was basically just selling rag mags. There was there wasn't any dressing up and driving about. No, I mean that seems like an effort. I wasn't really going. Go, go. <laughs> what are rag mags? Is that a euphemism for porn? No, it was like it was sort of like a mini viz that the student union would put together. I see. And right. uh, the, the the Sheffield Poly one was called Twicker. Uh, because there is a place in Sheffield called The Wicker, and The Wicker has a weir, so Twicker's where Twatter goes all that Twier. Right. So, now. The the Wicker Weir. Yes. Did did you ever meet Jan there and say that it's time to keep your appointment with with The Wicker Weir? Do you know what I should have done, shouldn't I? (laughs) (laughs) She would have looked blankly at at me like she does now. Christ. Oh, come (laughs) on, that's that's a plan. Anyway, um... It's 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 a film that I think will stand out as a very different beast to to Rigello. It has higher pretensions. It has higher pretensions. It has pretensions more of the similar to the Italian New Wave. And quite a lot of the Italian New Wave is pretty boring. Um, but it's in a different world. It takes it, you know, from Fellini's rather sort of ponderous navel gazing to trying to you know spend some more time enjoying sort of an eye for london but just not hmm. the eye for, just not the eye for london or just not the eye that you expect the london you expect sorry it's it's not hmm. quite the london nobody knows but it's it's, it's you know it's it's of a it's of a similar genre to to to, to that and i occasionally if you've seen the sympathy the london nobody knows film where james mason goes around like bemoaning things are falling down uh, now I haven't, yeah. but I really want to now. Oh, okay, yeah, that's very good. It's like, a, yeah, it's, it's very... James Mason goes into an old theatre and says, oh, look at the state of this place, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> and I have... Is, uh, is that on BFI player? Because I feel like I it, need to it see. Almo- almost certainly is. And it's the sort of it's the sort of thing that's been... I've seen it, I've seen it in NFT3. Um, <laughs> so I, I, this is of sort of a piece where you're seeing parts of London that you're not necessarily yeah. going to associate, particularly for, with an inter- international audience. And I also like the fact that, you know, Five minutes after uh, David Hemmings vacates the scene, James Mason walks on and just sort of says, there was a body lying here. Uh, it's, it's, it's oh my word! Uh, that would be a lot funnier if you'd seen the London that nobody knows. So yeah, for all of you listening, still funny. You've seen the London, 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 London nobody knows. Imagine James Mason walking into walking into see this place is was uh, used to be an antique shop, but now it's in his in, in the words of David Hemmings, is two puffs and a poodle. Uh, it's <laughs> see, and could, yeah. As as a very middle aged straight white male um, of a certain sort of economic background, I'm now just thinking of inevitably Monty Python um, and the Holy Grail with the historian. The encounter oh. with the Black Knight seems to have dispirited off anyway. <laughs> ah, but oh, that's a performance and I think that yes. in, the London, in the London that nobody knows it's essentially like 
like James Ma- obviously James Mason is sort of still giving a performance but mm. it's meant to be James Mason not, it's not an actor being James Mason it's James Mason talking about like uh, you know the, the London that's the London that's disappearing and fuck me that's this is the mid sixties bloody which, hippies yeah but showing it's it's I think it's more like you know the the end it's you know we're we're at the end of the sixties we're at sort of right there's there's, there's sort of sort of society in decay mm. and entropy is sort of taking London. Mm. Um, well, it's been moment, well, and because it's like there's also there's no health and safety, it just has James Mason walking around a, a theatre that's falling down around him. <laughs> it's in no right. way. He has a cloth cap rather than a rather than a sa- rather than a safety helmet. But the angry man in a high vis jacket. No, indeed not. But I, but it, I think it's of a piece with mm. trying to show Lon- trying to show other parts of London, and not always the nice parts of London. I yeah. think that this film doesn't doesn't go anywhere near as far but considering it starts like with the Doss house mm. um but then it very quickly we move on the central character that that's playing a a being a, 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 a being poor to exploit yeah uh, yeah he's, he's a poverty tourist to his to his own ends yes to get to get the and you see the photographs you know he, mm. he the photographs he takes of you know of essentially one step away from destitute men char- or you know cleaning themselves or delousing mm. themselves almost in this uh to be able to to so I can sell a coffee table book aren't yes I, aren't, aren't I, it's it's you know it's aren't I Kevin Carter <laughs> yeah, exactly I'm kind of pleased we included it or I included it um because I think it does inform some of the things that we've watched and will watch. It informs there, there is there is there is a similar aesthetic, similar, mm. not, not 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 the same. That there's um, well, there's a lot less stabbing. Yeah, there's a lot less stabbing. There's you know there's 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 problematic sexual content, um, but um, a, yeah, a similar a similar aesthetic. It isn't quite shot in the same way. But no, there are there are there are, there are vistas and there are. There are sh- there are individual shots that that that, that, are, that are used for it. There's a style, uh, there's a style that's borrowed, and the idea of sort of I mean if you imagine David Hemming's character in this isn't a million miles away from David Hemming's character in in Profondo Rosso. Um, Very much so. He's an artist, um, but he's just out like like lots of classic shallows. He's um, in that he's a yeah he's he, he's he's a person out of place he's you know he's teaching mm. uh, in uh, teaching abroad so you know as a very in this very much he's a person of he's sort of he's the sort of uh, the best example of the world he inhabits as opposed to an outsider coming into coming coming into that world which is so much of the mm. which is so much of the jalo and indeed you know the folk horror um, it's about your city because it's easier from a narrative point of view to learn about a situation if the central character is learning about is learning about the situation. Hmm. Here, yeah. He doesn't need to. It's short term, but we don't really even need to learn about the situation. Just we just follow his life and yeah. how vac and how, and how vacuous it is. How he tries to give it meaning briefly, briefly does, uh, but then that is taken from him, and yeah. all that's left with chaos, and you never really find out what happens. But he yeah. plays. He but he, but he but he joins in with the mime artist. So so he has. <laughs> He has something left of him. Yeah, and there is a certain there, there's like a substrata of uh, almost like a subgenre of jelly that kind of you know a central character will be like a twatty fashion photographer. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, t- typically they then feed into you know the models are being murdered for for reasons um, mostly so they you know so they can have their boobs out and get stabbed, but 
you know, the, I, I feel like that's probably people kind of directors actually misunderstanding blow up rather than being directly yeah, influenced by it. Um, well, or possibly, blood blood, sorry, Blood and Black Lace has like the sequences of being murdered in an antique shop, doesn't it? Yeah, mm, so yeah, indeed. Um, which predates this, so you know, it's as much probably as much barber oh, as God, it is. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's, probably that's as much barber as it is, uh, Antonioni, yeah. or possibly even referencing, you know, the 1959 British classic Cover Girl Killer with uh, Harry H. Corbett. So uh, you oh, know, I'll, 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 I'll bow to your knowledge. <laughs> See, that's the sort of film I know about, <laughs> which, is, which doesn't say much about blow up, but it says quite a lot about me. Where do we go from here? Yes, so next time we are going in another slightly odd tangent to something that influenced the the jelly that came subsequently, which is a German crimi film. Uh, so we will be doing The College Girl Murders. German crimi film. Indeed. What's a crimi so, film? So a crimi is basically... Um, Germans really, really liked Edgar Wallace. Okay. And they made a huge number of films and so i mean in in the uk as well there was like the the edgar wallace presents um whole slate of you know sort of b movies based on edgar wallace stories um but in germany they're much weirder so uh we are going to be doing one of those the college girl murders i like the way that that is going to be in no way problematic It's a comedy. It, I mean, if it was, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably be less, less, um, less nervous about it because <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to in, involve some problematic murder. We, we're going to re- equate sexuality and violence again, aren't we? Dude, like, if oh. if that's not your thing, you're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, and, and like as I as I equated this initially to, to to Dante's to Dante's journey from the Divine Comedy and like Virgil, you're you're leading me to it. Sometimes, you know, I, 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 I look at the which particular canto of hell uh, we're, 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 wade, we're wading through while I explain, while I ask you the questions and say, you know, why is, you know, why is he halfway, half, you know, why is he up to his waist in shit? Um, and, and you can say, no, it's, it's all right. It's getting better because, you know, last week they were, they were the other way around. <laughs> and we, we go, that, that's, you know, that's, that's, a, and that's a genuine scene from the Divine Comedy. Um, uh, so you know, I, I I like to get into the explanations, but as, as long as we nev- never lose sight of the fact that we we call problematic c- content out, you know, for its for, for, uh, for what it is. <laughs> now I'm judging the college girl murders. It, it might be it might be really empower. It might be a feminist film, might it? It might be really empowering. Um, yeah, why not? Hey, we'll see. Don't forget <laughs> to tune in next time. Next time. We discuss all manner of Germanic crimi craziness in The College Girl Murders. We hope you'll join us then, and thanks for listening. Goodbye.